I aired a series at the start of a new year, January 2022, to kick it off strong and realized I should have shared this information with you sooner so that you could actually enter the new year with your reflections complete and ready to tackle it head on. So here I am replaying those episodes for you now during the month of December. It is my hope that you can use the month to think through how things are currently going and when you reunite with your students after the break, you will be able to make necessary adjustments only if needed. So often people feel the need to change systems and processes and routines when, in actuality, it is not needed. Before every break and at the end of the school year, I loved taking the time to ask myself some key questions and to answer them thoroughly, honestly, and with fidelity. It was only after the deep dive into how is it truly going where I could really assess whether a change was needed or if I needed to look past the shiny objects of what looked awesome to do, but really wasn't needed. It is important to do what works for you and what works for your students. And for this, there are questions that you can actually ask them. Involving students in this reflection process is vital as they are the ones being affected with any changes you make to your routine. Today's episode is diving into five questions to ask your students before determining if you need to reset any of your routines, and the perfect time to ask those is now. Remember, this episode is a replay, so if you hear anything referencing the new year or January within the episode, that is why. The information shared is still very timely and can be applied to your current teaching situation, even if you heard it when it first originally aired. I know my classroom makeup was different year after year, so just like rereading a book, re-listening to an episode is very beneficial. If you are ready to learn more about resetting your routine, let's dive in. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. I know that when the new year comes, we want to improve and reset certain things. I am totally not against that at all, but when it comes to the classroom, you have to ensure that what you are planning to change is actually beneficial for your students. Constantly assessing and reassessing systems is necessary, and that is what we need to do in order to manage our classrooms and to create the most conducive, supportive, instructional environment as possible for our students. So where do we begin? This starts with talking with your students. Yes, asking them questions is the best way to determine if something does need to be changed. I can recall past years when I wanted to change up systems just to change them up. Honestly, I would just get bored with something. I would just see something on Pinterest. I would hear someone else doing something, and I just wanted to start doing that with my kids. But it was actually disastrous. 
I can recall so many times when I changed up a process or changed up a system and it actually was not necessary and did the reverse. Now, the changes that I did were not minor, like changing the seating arrangement or the desks where kids were sitting or changing the job chart, how the display looked or adding new jobs to it or changing out the literacy center activities or even adding in a new piece of technology or a center. It was nothing like that. I had hard system changes, like hard things that were like for management. And I ended up creating problems that were not problems before I made the change. So when we think about resetting, I want you to make sure that you are actually resetting structures, resetting routines, resetting anything that is not truly working. And to do that, you have to ask your students. So when I started asking questions, it really did give me a better insight into my audience and into what they needed not just what I thought that they needed. My systems are for them. The processes are mainly for them. So I needed to be sure that I listened to them to guide any changes that I made to the classroom. Now, I ask questions periodically throughout the year, but a great time to truly seek feedback is midway through the year after a long break like now. By now, students have had their fair share of time to get settled into routine and to truly know the flow of the day. So there is no warm-up period or I'm just starting the school year and I have to get adjusted to this teacher and to the classroom. By now, they know the ways of the ropes. So I'm going to be sharing five key questions that you can ask your students prior to shifting and shaking up your room. The first two questions are going to be a little bit like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So the first one is going to be, what went well the first half of the year? And for this question, you are wanting your students to think about the systems, the processes, the procedures, the routines, and you're basically going to be asking them what worked that you want me to continue doing and you want me to keep implementing. So you want to give them some time to think about the entire day. You could even point out certain systems or certain routines for them to specifically think about. And then they can be able to share their feedback on that. The second question I ask is just the opposite. It is, what do you wish would change for the remainder of the year? Again, they're going to be thinking about the systems, the processes, the procedures, the routines that you have. And again, you can call out some of those specific routines, some of those specific processes that you currently have running in your classroom and allow them to think about that. And you're going to basically be getting the feedback for what didn't work for you that you hope I do not continue. So the first two questions are just getting the basic feedback. What went well the first half of the year? What do you wish to change for the remainder of the year? Now, with those first two questions being kind of standard, it's going to be helpful so that you can be able to address those certain baseline systems and processes that you have in detail by calling out those examples, which is going to be a big help for your students to actually focus on those specifically, but also leave this open for them to think about their experience and then they can put that into words. Now, the next three questions are ones that I really pay close attention to, and they're going to actually require students to have that first part of the year under their belt so that they can be able to reference it 
before even answering. So this time of the year is truly the perfect moment to ask these questions and think about, do I need to reset something or do I need to leave that process the same, even if I want to change it up? Is it necessary? So the third question that I ask them is, how do you learn best? Now, maybe they are just now figuring this out because it does take time to warm up to a grade. It takes time to warm up to a new school, to a new classmate, to a new classroom, to the teacher, to the curriculum. So when we ask kids in the beginning of the year, well, they're drawing from their previous experiences, but depending on what you have to offer them, they really don't know how they learn best. They're going to get to experience what you were able to provide them for the first part of the year. And then they're going to be able to think about, was this good for me or do I really wish that there was some other way that I could be able to learn this information? So it's really helpful for you to hear that so that you can incorporate these different styles into your lessons or increase engagement. Like if you know that you're going to do an activity and all of your kids are very tactile, that instead of just showing them a video about it, you might want to think about getting the materials and letting them actually do it because it's going to spark their engagement. But this also helps when figuring out if you have that student that is not performing well or is not achieving well or is not in the best mood, it's going to give you some insight into why that student's having challenges if you're not providing the different options for that child to learn. So I do like to give them examples like, are you a visual learner? Are you an audible learner? Are you a tactile learner? And I explain what those mean. I will show pictures. I will give examples based on some of our own lessons that we've already done previously to help them remember, like, what did you like about it? Is this a good way for you to learn? And I want to get that feedback. So use any examples that you can pull from. Explain what each style means for them so that they can be able to give you that accurate feedback that you're needing. The fourth question I asked my students is, what would be included in your ideal classroom and school day? Now, this is going to give you insight on what your students value, and this is going to play a huge part in increasing engagement, ensuring that your environment that you're creating is conducive to them as much as can be to your entire group. So year to year, My classroom's values and desires vary so much. I cannot do what I've done with one classroom for the next one if they have different desires and different values. So my approach for one group is probably not going to work for another group, and that's okay, but I just have to figure out my audience and know what they expect and want for me to make it the best for them. So this is going to allow you to see what they want included in your day And you can start that process of incorporating it. Now, as an example, one of my classes that I've had shared that they really, really loved our beginning of the school year activities, specifically when we played Would You Rather or This or That. That is just something where when you are getting a new group of kids and you can put two pictures on the screen or you can ask a question, Would You Rather This or That, you can get them excited about it. You can get them talking and sharing and you get to know more about them. So these are definitely back-to-school activities that I would love doing with my students, but they shared with me that they really love doing it, and they wanted to do it more than just at the beginning of the year. Many of them asked if we could do fun things like that all year long, as if I didn't do other fun things, which I did, but they really, really remembered that, and they really, really liked it. 
But taking into account what they told me and per their suggestion, I thought it was a great idea. So I brought it back into our day. I constantly have a few minutes of dead time here and there, so that was honestly the perfect way to embed one of those games, and it literally changed the whole vibe of my classroom. They got excited and they loved it. Now, I would love to share those slides with you. If you've done like activities like that and you have students who love those type of games and you've just kind of stopped, these are actually really great to put into your day here and there. So If you go to my show notes, you can grab my Would You Rather or This or That slides for free. I am going to leave the link for you, so go ahead and grab that freebie. And those are going to be activities to get you started. There are blank slide templates to where if your students really, really enjoy it, that you can be able to duplicate those slides and continue that routine for your students just to kind of perk them up. So those will be in the show notes for you. But really think about what do they want included. And if it's not too much, give them what they want. It's going to help with the management. It's going to show them that you're listening, that you value them. And in turn, they're going to listen and value you as well. I want to take a moment to introduce you to Writing Made Simple. This is a membership site that will bring you engaging writing routines that will get your students on board and pumped about writing. These routines are designed to be quick and simple meaning very little to no prep for you. I'm giving you everything that you need. Video walkthroughs, easy lesson plans, detailed exemplars, printable templates, and engaging animated writing routine slides. Your students are going to go from feeling bored and disengaged to feeling eager and curious. It's through the small intentional chunks of time where you can allow writing to be a powerful practice. Implementing fun routines that disguise writing is the name to the game. To learn more about how you can become a member, head to theliteracydive.com slash join. I cannot wait to support you and your writers. The fifth question and final question that I like to ask my students, and this one can kind of tug at your heartstrings a little bit. But I ask them, do you feel like you are part of this classroom community, or if you say classroom family, whichever word or structure that you want to use is fine, but do you feel like you're a part of this classroom community? This is key. You can have students write anonymously if needed. They don't have to put their name on it. That way they can be honest to you. And there's always ways for you to figure out who wrote that, right? Whenever you're collecting the papers, you can figure out how you collect them as who's sitting where. You might even know your student's handwriting by now. You can give them colorful markers and you could have those colors attached to whose name has what color. So we are teachers. We figure that stuff out. So you could even tell them, don't put your name on it. Or maybe you give them, you know, a sticky note or something like, hey, don't put your name on it. I want to truly know how you feel. And that's going to allow them to be a little bit more honest. But this question is going to tug at you. I'm telling you. Because some of the kids are going to really feel like they're at home and others might be honest and say, no, they don't feel like they're a part of the classroom. And it's going to put their view of their environment into perspective for you. So those are the five questions that I like to ask my students before I start resetting and changing up different systems and processes within the class. Now, you might be wondering, how are you going to collect all of this feedback? So it's really simple. You can make a five-box chart using Word or PowerPoint. The boxes honestly can be blank. You can type in the questions. 
nothing super crazy. You just need a place for them to give you feedback. And if you like my questions that I shared with you, rewind, write them down, and use those same questions. Or you might have certain questions that you want specific answers to, so add them into a box and leave room for students to write. Something that I also love doing is using index cards, stuff that I already have in the classroom, notebook paper that is sectioned off into five areas or however many questions you choose to give them, and sticky notes also work well for this. And those sticky notes can be numbered and then stuck to a piece of copy paper and submitted back to you. Again, for that last question, if you want to do it anonymously, then you can just have the four questions stuck to a piece of copy paper, write the kid's name on it, give it to you so that you have their feedback. But then that fifth one, you can figure out a different method for collecting it. Now, if you need to follow up on any particular responses, maybe you're reading something and you're like, oh, I really want to get more insight on this, or I really want to talk to this child or this group of children then you can host one-on-one conferences to chat with these kids about their feedback. I do that in the beginning of a school year whenever I'm getting to know what my students like to read about and what they like to write about. We will have like little mini conferences during our conference time, but you can definitely host these one-on-one or small group conferences to discuss their feedback. In times that I would always do it is during morning work, at the tail end of stations, or if I have a few minutes and I wrapped up a lesson quickly while the kids are, you know, still working, I can pull a child and talk to them. Or you could even have like a lunch bunch where you keep a few students in, they eat with you, but you're able to chat about basic things. And then you also can get some insight into their responses as well. So the idea here is to let them be a part of this problem solving and brainstorming of solutions because They have great ideas, and ultimately, everything that you're doing for them is for them. So they should be giving their suggestions and use them as you see fit for your classroom. Now, there might be some stuff that they ask for that is just unreasonable or you cannot do, and that's okay, you know, you can explain that. But they might have really good ideas, and it's worth taking that into account. The great news is that there is still a nice chunk of the school year left and plenty of time to make necessary changes to improve the environment and the experience for your kids. It's really important to just recognize that just because something is uncomfortable or not ideal for you, it doesn't mean that you have to remove or stop it. If it's good for your class, you have to adapt and use that to your advantage. Now, it reminds me of one of my years, and I want to kind of explain this really quickly to you. Just to help you understand what I just said, one of my classes was super chatty. Now, I know that you probably are thinking every year my class is chatty, but there was one particular year that I had a super chatty class. Now, my go-to would be I need to break apart these tables, I need to put them in rows and columns at desks, and I need to eliminate the chatter. That is literally the first thing that I was thinking that came to mind is when I went home on a Friday is like, I need to get in Monday morning, break apart all of this, and these kids are going to be quiet and stop talking. But instead, I decided to use their chattiness to my advantage, and that is when I turned around my teaching style and I incorporated more intentional and structured time for talking. We had more group discussions, we had more partner activities, And things like that, which aligned really well with their chatty nature. And it truly didn't annoy me as bad as it did before because now this talk was purposeful. 
It wasn't just them being chatty just to be chatty. So that is what I mean when it's saying, I know that something might not be ideal for you. It might not be comfortable for you. You might not like it. But if that's just what your class is doing, try doing something that can make that a positive thing and see what can work. And so when I started doing that, we had the best year. There was so much talking, so much sharing, so many projects. That was the year that I did more projects than I'd ever done in a school year. And it was just so fun. And so that is really important to think about before you start changing up things and resetting your systems. Really think about what is best for your students. I know and I am confident that your reset is going to be exactly what your students need. Focus on being a good teacher who is present and aware of the needs of your students. Be firm, stay consistent with those systems that stay the same and with those systems that are going to change, just be firm and consistent with that. Always be reminded of my chatty class when I say this next thing to turn those weaknesses into strengths. Think about ways to use the existing circumstances to your benefit, even if it's not ideal. Collaborate with your students. Take the time to talk to them and to hear from them. Work together to build systems, processes, and routines. Because when you have their buy-in, the rest falls into place, and it's going to be easier to reference those norms and to keep them accountable for them when they have a say and have a part in that decision-making. But ultimately, you got this. Be sure to let me know how your reset goes. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram, at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.